Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Star. Today my guest is not a star in business, he's not a star in the corporate life, he's a star in humanity. I'm very blessed to meet a person like that. Renos is the co-founder of the CR Hope Foundation, which is a school in Zanzibar, helping all of the kids to get proper education. Renos, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's such a pleasure having you in here. Thanks for having me here. It's my great honor to be with you, a successful businessman. <laughs> thank you for that. So Renos, before we jump into that, first of all, I'd like to know the journey of your life. So start by telling me like, how did you come to Dubai and why Dubai? Well, uh, that's a good question. I, in 2007, I was doing my master's degree in London. I was studying digital media. One day, one of the teachers, the lecturers said, guys, if you want a real good career, there's a new city in Dubai called Media City. So all of you in this classroom should aim for this. And this is when he planted the seed in my heart and my mind. So somehow a friend of mine, after two years, uh, got an offer in Dubai that he didn't want to take because he wanted to stay in London. And he said, Renos, I got this offer in Dubai, in Media City. Would you like to apply? Because I know that you want to go there one day. I'm like, sure. And then he got me in touch and I found myself in Media City and I called this uh, manifestation. <laughs> so yeah, I came here in 2009. And uh, ever since I worked for big brands like Emirates Airlines, uh, Agreco, now I work for uh, the Department of Culture and Tourism of Abu Dhabi as a marketing uh, lead. Renos, how did you find out about Zanzibar? Basically it was 2016, uh, July. It was a bit humid here and hot, as you know, in Dubai. <laughs> as usual. So we decided to uh, go on a trip. And that was my brother's idea, actually, to go to Zanzibar. Uh, I usually like to take the lead on trips and organize everything. But this time, I let my brother take the initiative and uh, I followed him. And that's how we found ourselves in Zanzibar, only for four days, just for holidays. Take me from there. So what happened then is uh, the first day we enjoyed the hotel and the beachfront and the sea, the turquoise waters, probably you've seen it yourself, you know what I'm talking about, it's a beautiful luxury uh, on the beach uh, front. But then on the second day we took uh, some quad bikes and we went to a village and that was the real face of Africa, the real face of Zanzibar. So behind the scenes uh, of the tourism and all the luxury there's actually community that suffers and I witnessed uh, people living in houses literally made of uh, mold and palm leaves. There's no door in the houses, you've seen uh, the villages that I'm referring to and that moment I felt terribly greedy with myself, I felt that I have more than I need and I'm still unhappy in my life. And I was just looking at those people in their faces and they seemed happy. And I said, you know, what's going on here? I mean, how it's possible that they have nothing and they're happy and I kind of have everything I wanted or maybe more. And I'm still looking for this happiness that is a better car, a better girlfriend, a bigger house or, you know, a better salary. So I was chasing all my life all these better things that they, it never stops. So it feels like you're in a, in a hamster wheel, you know. 
And uh, that moment I just realized that uh, it's unfair what is happening to those people. And uh, I had my calling. If you believe in this, like there was a voice that said, you have to prove now that you are grateful for what you have by helping those people, especially the children. So for the next two days, I would just think, what can I do to make an impact instead of just giving money that would be you know, spent in a matter of days. So my first idea was to find a teacher, sponsor him to educate children English language skills so they can find a job hopefully in the tourism industry, like the hospitality. Hotels, yeah. Yeah. So that was the idea I had and it was approved by the divine if you want. And then uh, on that day we went to a souvenir shop to buy some gifts for our friends. And the owner of this shop came to me and he said, so where do you live and all these things, like, like a regular uh, discussion. And then he told me, why don't you buy some samples from my shop and sell them in Dubai and we make business together. I said, yeah, that's a great idea, but if I make any profit, I would like to give it uh, to a teacher to sponsor him to educate children English language skills. And he says, that's the best thing you can do for the community. Education is exactly what's needed. It's not money, it's not clothes or toys that people bring here. Education is indeed the weapon that uh, can change the world. So he said, if we make money, I would like also to donate my part for the same cause. I said, fine. So I bought the samples, I came to Dubai, and three months later, uh, he followed up with me. He says, hey Renos, how are you? How's our business going? And I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Cosiano, but uh, I'm not able to sell these gifts uh, in Dubai. In fact, I've given them to my friends from day one, but I still want to find a teacher. And please help me. And then he goes, well, I have a piece of land if you want, I can donate it to you and uh, we can build a school together. And I said to myself that maybe this is too good to be true because I'm a stranger to him and he's obviously a local, right? So you don't usually get an offer of a plot. Who can blame me? Like, you know, the guy, what, for one hour? Maybe? Exactly. He has seen me only once in his life and now he's ready to give his uh, land to, to me. And um, that was one side was telling me that something is wrong. But on the other side, something told me inside me that, listen, this is your chance to prove what you stand for. You asked, you know, you had this intention to help others and now something greater is coming towards you. So if you take it, it means that, you know, it's real. But if you don't take it, it means that you're not aligned with uh, your calling. Yeah. Exactly. So somehow I really wanted to be true because I was ready to prove uh, myself. I wanted to take this new direction because as a person I was coming from the material world. I, I was into partying, I was going out with you know, friends and females, I don't know, like tables in clubs, yacht parties, having fun. And there's nothing wrong about, you know, with this uh, thing, but I was ready to do something that will be more fulfilling in my life and uh, I was hoping that it's true. So that's why I flew back with uh, Dimitra, who is uh, my current wife. She was just uh, my girlfriend back then. So we went back to Zanzibar and we met with a lawyer and Kosiano, of course, the owner of the shop who offered his land. 
So we check the title deeds, we uh, do the, the due diligence, uh, we sign the MOU, and we set up CR Hope Foundation, which stands for Cosiano and Reno's Hope to Enlighten the Children of Zanzibar. So after we signed everything, uh, Dimitra, my wife, uh, who's a bit more suspicious than I, uh, goes to him and says, so why did you give your land? It doesn't make sense, just tell us. <laughs> and he goes, uh, 20 years ago I was a street seller uh, in the streets of Arusa in mainland Tanzania. Which, which is, most of them do the same. Exactly, like trying to sell something to tourists. So he said that his English was very poor back then. He could only name the prices of the products that he was selling. Dollar to dollar. Yeah, like five dollar, two dollar, you know, stuff like that. So one day, um, a Canadian man uh, was trying to buy something from Cosiano and uh, they couldn't really communicate very well. So the Canadian said, hey, Cosiano, listen, if you learn English, you will become better at sales, you will make more money. So Cosiano had to call somebody else to translate and then he replied that uh, I don't have time, I don't have money, I have six children to feed and I wish I could learn English. So what this person did was to sponsor Cosiano's school for six months and give him money to feed his family for this period. Wow. So uh, Cosiano indeed learned English and then six months later uh, a guy from Switzerland came to Zan to, from Zanzibar to Arusa, like the place where Cosiano was, and he met him on the streets. And he said, would like to work with us in the small uh, gift shop that we have? Would be great. So Cosiano traveled to Zanzibar and he started working in this hotel, practicing his English even more and saving money until he opened his own souvenir shop where I met him. So he said that uh, he always wanted to give back because he knew that education changed his life to become from a street uh, you know seller to a businessman thanks to English so he said the moment you came to me and you said I'm looking for a teacher to sponsor him to educate English language skills to the children he felt that's it that's my chance to prove that I'm grateful for what happened in my life so imagine it's two stories of two people that they had the calling and they both have to take it and believe in each other and that's how we started the story and uh, I was like really mind blown and fascinated by you know this uh, journey that I'm joining because everything started by a person 20 years ago who helped somebody learn English and that's why I asked Cosiano, uh, the co-founder of foundation to get me in touch with uh, this Canadian man. He's still in touch with me. He gave me his email address three months later after I requested for it and I got in touch. We did an interview for our blog on the website. Uh, he's 70 years uh, old and he's based That's in Canada. His name is William Fraser and they call him Don. And he was very humbled to hear that uh, Cosiano actually paid forward or you know paid back and uh, he's a teacher by profession and he has helped many people with education and uh, we're still in touch and he's a great person. That's him. That's a crazy story, man. Like, how did this all came together? Like, even if you want to just break it into pieces, you and Cristiano are from different race, 
different religion, different ethnicity, different mentality. Like there is nothing like you guys are alike, except the fact that love giving back and changing strangers' life. And I don't think there's anything more noble than what I just heard right now. So forgive me. Maybe this will be the first time that I am out of words. Usually <laughs> I talk a lot, but seriously, this is a beautiful story. Thank you very much. Even for me, it's very hard to believe, but this story proves to me that um, sometimes there's a higher thing, you know, that um, can watch us and uh, control, you know, the future of uh, our lives. And totally, the moment I signed up for it, um, and we started building the school brick by brick, which was very difficult. I can tell you, I thought that. Uh, as soon as I started, I would just go to my friends and say, hey guys, support me to build, and everyone would just give me money, we built it. No, it was just uh, me and my savings that I had to take the first steps and to build the foundation so I can prove everyone that this is happening and please support me. So what happened is after we started building, six months later, my brother died. And um, it was the person who actually took me to Zanzibar. And he was very happy before he died that, you know, I continue this uh, connection with the island and uh, we're having dreams that we will go back together and just build this school. And uh, that's why I uh, dedicated this project in his memory. And I said, you know, no matter what happens, this school will be built, even if it finishes in 2050, uh, even by spending $1 a month, if I'm broke, it will happen. So I had no deadline, I had no one to report to. I was just stubborn and committed to deliver it. And then, you know, I just wanted to keep him proud. I'm referring to my brother. And in return, I just wanted to, him to keep an eye on me. And miracles started to happen. And, uh, you know, after three years, the, the school was built. We, you know, managed to raise, including my money, more than $100,000 to start with five classrooms. Now we're building another five classrooms, you've seen it, and you know, a playground, solar panels, and there's a lot more to come, and I cannot be more thankful for all the help that is coming now uh, so easily, but I, I had to really strive uh, until today to get these rewards because there were moments where I was without a job, and, uh, you know, I had a bad financial situation, but I never gave up. I said, you know, that's the last thing I will just cut in my life. I will keep paying for this until I'm broke, broke, broke. And uh, I just gave everything and uh, now I'm rewarded and I'm so proud. We are so proud of you. Your brother is very proud of you. and. Uh, you humbled all of us, like we feel no matter what we have achieved in life, it's nothing, it's not even a fraction compared to the happiness that you're giving, you're helping these kids without any returns and uh, you're changing lives whether you know it or not, so it's like the same tourist guy who changed Cristiano's life, now you're changing over 60 kids from all ages over there and that's something beautiful bless you for that and you are a living proof that good people still exist in this life and this world that we're living followed by wars by by viruses by everything going on good people still exist 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I have to remain humble and I appreciate what you say. I mean, my reward is when I see the kids smiling and that's, you know, the currency I'm getting paid with. And that's a blessing. I mean, there's no uh, money or, you know, size of amount that can buy this beautiful feeling when you see the spark in the eyes of children that you caused. And especially, you know, the parents when they come to us and they say, hey, uh, our children are smart <laughs> and we can see the difference and they bring us fruits to thank us. And that's something that, you know, I would never exchange with, you know, anything in my life. If I left today this world, like, because I've seen people living like my brother, uh, like that, I would just feel that at least I tried. Maybe I didn't make an impact and I'm not going to change the world. I didn't stop any wars or, you know, the poverty and the starvation is still there. But I tried, you know, tried my best to prove that if you have a good intention and you take the first step, things will start to unfold and the people will follow. So I believe uh, that uh, those people who come to me always to congratulate me, I just look in their eyes and say, you know what, thanks for the good comments. But I believe that you have the capacity in you to change the world also. If I did this, because I'm not special, we're equal, you can also do it. And believe me, when we come together, we can do amazing stuff. And uh, we just all need to be open to this idea and come together and prove it. And uh, just uh, welcome everyone. <laughs> Enos, maybe you didn't change the entire world, but you changed those kids' world. And this is an amazing start. I was blessed and lucky enough to be in Zanzibar. I witnessed the construction of the school. I witnessed the vibe of people coming from around the world, from every nationality, just to work in their hand. Even though back home they have the highest positions as chairmen and CEOs, and we saw that happiness. And what I wanted to say in here is like, how did you manage? to grab all of these people from the world and make them go live somewhere where maybe they will not even find clean water or <laughs> a nice bed to sleep <laughs> on or not any form of standards. Let's not say luxury because we're saying standards. Like, how did you accomplish this? Well, I mean, that's a good question because uh, it's one of the miracles I was tell telling you before. So how uh, those people came to Zanzibar, and it's, it was a big group, it was around 70 people, including parents and children, right? So it was March when I was in Zanzibar and I was talking with my partner, Cosiano. And he told me that uh, there was a visit from the Ministry of Education. They did a kind of a supervision to see how we comply with all the, the rules. And he told me, I have some bad news that um, if we don't build five classrooms until the end of the year, uh, they will have to take our primary school license. Because we started as a nursery in the first year with five classrooms. So we have five classrooms and we used uh, two of them for nursery. And the next year, those kids grew and became the first grade of primary. So we took the license for primary school. So the ministry comes and see only five classrooms for a primary and a nursery. In other papers, they say, to have a primary and a nursery, you need at least 10 classrooms. They don't care whether you have only uh, grade one activated or 
you know. So I said, Cosiano, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. Like, uh, we don't have any money, to be honest. He says, uh, they will come back in April and they want to see some development going on. I said, okay, take some stones from the field. We have some, you know, like coral stones uh, because the surface is like that. I said, put them just to show that we're building the foundation. <laughs> like, just move. Show movement. Yeah. So, um, the day before I left Zanzibar, I got a message on WhatsApp from a person called Vahid Fotuhi. And uh, he was referred, uh, he, yeah, somebody referred to me, to him, my, our foundation, because he's the founder of a group called Fathers and Kids Camping, which is an amazing group of people founded 11 years ago. They're all Dubai-based, uh, cool dads, I will call them, that they take their children uh, on weekends to the desert and they do safari and they do camping and they do barbecue. So the objective of this uh, group is to create a bonding between fathers and children before uh, the children grow up and they just uh, lost this beautiful, unique moments. So they want to build memories. And once a year, what they do is they take their children to Africa, and they've been to Zambia and Kenya so far, to build schools. And uh, this group is uh, consisted of, as you said, high-profile uh, individuals like uh, professionals, from owners, CEOs, VPs, you name it. And I would say they're wealthy people and educated in a sense that they care about humanity, and they've understood that uh, what is important in life is the moments with the children and giving back to the community on top of being successful. So they wanted to go to Zanzibar anyway and they were looking for a project and they already had uh, contact with another three uh, foundations. So they wanted to shortlist me and interview me. And I didn't know all this, I didn't know the background. They just told me that it's a group of people that they want to come in May to Zanzibar to, you know, do some volunteering work. And I'm getting these kind of messages every single week, just trust me, like I get messages, hey, I'm going to Zanzibar, I was referred by XYZ, can you tell me how I can get involved and so on. So I told them, listen, I'm in Zanzibar right now, I'll come back to Dubai tomorrow, let's meet up, and we can discuss further to understand what you want to do, and uh, we can build your uh, itinerary. So I met them uh, on the day I landed from Zanzibar. So uh, it was a group of 21 people. And uh, I was not expecting that. I thought I'm meeting only with one guy. And there was a committee of uh, safety and a committee of travel and a committee of I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were in three tables and I had to do like a speed dating. Like I had five minutes on this table and five there and five there. Each one of them were asking me different questions and I was just uh, responsive. And then... <laughs> um, so I would spend time with them on every table, uh, responding to their questions and so on. And uh, Vahid, the chief uh, camper, as we call him, came to me and said, okay, uh, we want to do something on your project, like with our own hands. What can we do? I said, you know, you can build a playground maybe um, for the children to be happy and that's something also that we need and also the Ministry of Education want us to do in a better way because only 
the only thing we have now is like a couple of swings. And they said, okay, how much is gonna cost? I'm like, around $5,000. She said, yeah, okay, I think we can do this for sure. But we wanna do something better, bigger. And I'm like, I don't know guys, I mean, we need five classrooms to be honest until the end of the year. Uh, otherwise they will take uh, our operational license for the primary school. But I'm even shy to tell you the amount because they would do the fundraising. They told me like they would collect the money and source the material and, and said, how much? I said $80,000. $80,000? dollars Because, you know, the classrooms are so expensive because each class has a toilet for boys and girls inside the classroom. This way we reduce the risk of contamination of diseases. And we also reduce the, the travel from the classroom to the toilet of young children. So this tripled the, the budget of the construction, which is fine. Because all I care is about the children to have the best possible standards. And uh, $80,000, I say. And he poses and says, yeah, I think we can do that. And I said, Thank you very much. You know, I usually don't get uh, very excited when I hear people that they have this intention, but thank you so much. Like, whatever you do, even the playground or this, I would be thankful, but I just don't let myself to get too excited because I don't want to be disappointed when it doesn't happen. And I've, I've met many people who promise to help me. You know, some people do it in front of others to kind of, you know, show off a little bit, and uh, I don't even follow up because it's a different thing. Anyway, so we had only three weeks to organize ourselves for the trip, to uh, do the fundraising of uh, more than 100,000, and to source material locally from Dubai to ship them to Zanzibar, and uh, start building the foundation for the five classrooms. And uh, yeah, finally, not only they built the playground and uh, started the construction of five classrooms, but they also installed solar panels, which was something that we had an issue with our electricity. So I just look back that a week prior I met those people, I was a bit desperate. How are we going to build the classrooms? And those children, I don't want them to leave our school because I want to keep them. And a week later, this happened. And I call it manifestation. <laughs> it's like a miracle, I swear, uh, in my life, if I was greedy, I would ask for five classrooms. If I was very greedy, I would say classrooms and playground. But I would never even dare to add also solar panels. You know what I mean? Like, I cannot ask for these things. I, the minimum was five classrooms, and now we ended up with a full package of phase two, and it's amazing. I'm so grateful that I've met those people. And most importantly, uh, I just felt very bad because I was not participating in the construction because I was needed to coordinate staff. And uh, I would see like the very successful people being dirty. Even one guy just broke his finger and he was continuing to work. And when I met him, because he was one of the biggest donors actually, I met him and I said, Mr. Sandro, I'm so humbled to see you dirty. <laughs> Like he wanted to take his uh, glove and clean his hand. I'm like, please don't, don't even do it. You look, look at me. I was just clean. He says, listen, and he put his uh, arm around my shoulder and said, here's my son. 
he's 21 years old, he's the other son 19 years old, and another son 10 years old. Look at them, and I look at them, they all work like they just uh, carry these 20 kg uh, bricks, like proper, and they're sweating, the sun is strong, and they've been working already for two days. And uh, he says, the opportunity you gave me to see and witness the work ethics of my children priceless. for me is priceless. Now I'm relaxed that I have, you know, uh, a safe, you know, future for my children. I understand how they think when it comes to giving back to the community. And I'm so, so glad for giving us this opportunity. And it was like a loophole of thanking each other. I didn't, you know, no one could <laughs> accept uh, more, you know, the, uh, the gratefulness. And that's, you know, the infinite kind of respect. And um, then, you know, uh, I heard some stories from parents that their children were not very engaged with the idea of going to Zanzibar. Like they thought, okay, what's Zanzibar and da da da. But uh, when they, the parents told them the story of me and Kosiano, then we became their heroes. And they became so engaged with uh, the activity and they wanted to know more and what happened then and how many children are going to benefit. And then they were looking at Paul, Kosiano and myself as the real heroes. Like, Which you are. Well, actually, I was telling them, you are my hero. Look at you. Look what you've done and what you've accomplished. Because the idea was to complete the playground area during the, the Eid break, you know, in Ramadan. So when the students were away from school, uh, we would build the playground. And uh, when they returned back to the school, they would see the new, you know, surprise. And that's what happened. Like, uh, all of us were waiting for the children to come back from holidays. And uh, the moment they saw the playground, our students just went crazy. They started climbing the walls and, you know, taking the slides. And you would see the children from Dubai would uh, actually uh, hug the, the, the young students and let them do the monkey bars and all these things. It was like an amazing moment for me. I would just almost felt this aura of like blessing in the place. You know what I mean? Like I get goosebumps so many times when I'm there and just feel that uh, it's just a great thing. Yeah, that's how actually I found them or they found me. Ah, and then yeah, but he told me, uh, the chief camper, he said, by the way, uh, you were not uh, the only option we had. There were other two, three uh, options that we were considering, but you were so responsive and uh, we felt, you know, there's a connection and there was transparency in the way you were uh, dealing with things. So it was kind of a no-brainer for us. And I said, honestly, I appreciate what you've done because it really helped us uh, to maintain our operational license. But nevertheless, whichever foundation you helped in the country, it would be f such a good thing for the community that I would be equally thankful for what you are doing in this place. So thank you for having the intentions to help Zanzibar. And I'm glad that I proven myself to be a trustworthy partner for this project but uh, regardless of your choice I would be still like bowing. Elas, tell me when you first started all of this 
uh, and you're saying it's a village. I just like to know how did the people react to your <laughs> movement <laughs> over there? Uh, were they worried from you? Were they welcoming? Like, how was the reaction? Yeah, basically, um, I come across as a different race in this uh, village, right? And uh, because I'm from Europe, probably they think I'm Christian, and I am. Uh, on papers and I, but literally I believe in love so that's every religion has this common thing right but for them I look as a white person from a different country from a different religion that wants to build a school and that's kind of like ringing a bell in the community like who is this guy what's his agenda uh, they never had someone who just came to help without asking something in return and therefore, you know, uh, the reactions in the beginning were very kind of um, strange and uh, it took me around two years to build the trust wow. because we were also doing the, some mistakes in the beginning, like we would take clothes from uh, Western people from Dubai to donate it in the village. And when it comes to women's clothes, uh, you know, women here have some uh, clothes that they sew their arms and, you know, the Think the skirts are shorter, but in Zanzibar they're more conservative, and I actually love their colorful dresses. I don't know if you've seen them, they're just so vibrant, right? So we were thinking that we're doing the right thing by giving clothes from this uh, kind of uh, part of the world. And actually the moment we would give it, uh, it was a confirmation for them that he's gonna change us. Look, they started by changing our way of... Uh, Culture... Uh, yeah. uh, the way how we dress, you know? so they were getting offended. Pretty much, and uh, of course they wouldn't tell me directly, they would go to Cosiano and open fire, and uh, Cosiano would take the bullets for me without telling me anything, because he didn't want me to stop the development of the school in parallel, so he was kind of trying to keep a balance. And then some people also in the community were a bit jealous of Cosiano, because he was working with the investor, who's bringing money and building something and they wanted to be part of this or they wanted to have access to me for a different project. So you can imagine uh, what this brought to the, you know, the situation. A lot of stress and at some point Cosiano told me, listen, the truth is this. This is the perception in the village and you should stop doing X, Y, Z. And for me it was like a big uh, shock. Yeah, it was like, oh my God. And that's, you know, sometimes you think you have the good intentions, and you do have, but you think you're doing the right thing, but uh, you should uh, definitely uh, look into the culture, understand uh, the social, economic, uh, religious, all these factors that, you know, could uh, backfire actually. But uh, in the end, you know, like, um, I was interviewed by the chief of the village, to get his blessings to start the school or not. And uh, apparently uh, he interviewed me on the day that I was with my mother in Zanzibar and uh, we had taken all the stuff of my brother from Dubai and we just gave it away to the village. And imagine like uh, how emotional was the moment of my mother uh, taking every piece of clothes and smell it for the last time before she gave it to a poor person. It was like, wow, I mean, 
these moments are in my life so emotional. You know, I'm not gonna cry now, but I cried back then. And uh, so we were sitting with uh, the chief of the village because he wanted to question my uh, kind of beliefs and see what is behind all this. The intention. Yeah, my intentions. And I was with my mother in this meeting. It was just a coincidence. And he goes to me, you're Christian. We're Muslim. Why you want to help us? I'm like, you know, my God is love, to be honest. And I had my calling in this place. And I'm thankful that I actually had uh, my calling in Zanzibar. I mean, I would do it anyway, anywhere in the world. But uh, the fact that it's also in this beautiful place is uh, actually great. And uh, I saw the children suffering. I wanted to do something because those children didn't choose. So he says that we are Muslims and you're Christian, so why do you want to help us? And uh, I had to explain it and myself that uh, my God is love and uh, it doesn't matter where we come from and uh, I just want to help those children because I had my calling in this place and I'm so grateful that this place is Zanzibar by the way where I had this uh, kind of uh, action to take because it looks great as an island and uh, by the way those children never chose uh, how to name their God whether it's Allah or it's uh, Jesus and same to me, you know, it just happened that I was born in Greece and I was born in a family that they told me that uh, this is your God and that's what you should do to be a good person. But we all come from the same source at the end of the day. And uh, we explained him that uh, today was a very emotional day for us, uh, me and my mom, that we came to the village to give away all the stuff of my brother to the poor people. And, uh, you know, before we even get the approval to build, we are here actually doing something that we believe is going to help the community in any way. So please give us the blessing and trust me that I will never let you down. So he goes, uh, okay, I like you, I like your story, I believe you. So he says, what are you going to do about water in your project? I'm like, I never thought about water because I didn't even know that you know we're going to start. He's like, okay, you know, there's a cave, he says, 400 meters away from uh, your uh, land and you can take the water from there instead of you buying water from the village. I said, thank you so much. And then he says, why don't we go and check out the water if it's uh, drinkable or not? Uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. So he's like, okay, let's go now. So we went to this cave with my mom and another uh, assistant of uh, the chief. And the chief uh, says to the assistant, okay, go inside this hole <laughs> and, uh, with this empty bottle and bring us water. So the guy went, we lost sight of him, he comes back <laughs> and it was like the bottle half of water and the chief says, okay, drink now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how testing the <laughs> I was just looking at the guy like, okay, good luck. So he drinks and he says, mm, you know, <laughs> semi-salty. Semi I'm like, okay, if the guy says semi-salty, it means that it's salty. We cannot drink it, for sure. It was very obvious. But uh, we said, okay, maybe we can use it for other purposes. And then I asked Cosiano, who was uh, with us, and said, how much it would cost to get like uh, pipes and a booster uh, to connect it from here until the school? And he says, this would cost around $2,000. And I said, you know, maybe we should focus now on the construction and we will worry about uh, water later. So that was uh, what happened that day. And then I came to Dubai and then I flew back after a month. So 
I go to the project and uh, there were some builders, you know, already just doing the foundation. And uh, when I entered the gate, actually, I see uh, a hole on the ground. And if you see the ground, it's like coral stone. It's like solid. It's not uh, soil. So, and there was a hole and there was uh, a man actually like uh, two or three meters down with uh, a big uh, hammer and uh, like a, a nail kind of thing and uh, he was just digging like tan 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 which is like impossible for me <laughs> like i wouldn't even you know manage to do like one centimeter to be honest and i asked Cristiano, what is this guy doing he says oh this man you know we told him the story about the water and uh, that is expensive and he said don't worry i will want i want to find water for you guys so he started digging on his own initiative and he went down for three months, 10 meters, and he found sweet water. For in th three months, 90 th days, he was doing this every day. Every single Without day. anything in return. Nothing in Just return. Just to find you water. Just to find water. Because he believed in the project, uh, he, was, he wanted to be part of this. And the guy is like 65 years old. Wow. And uh, he's one of my heroes, like the heroes behind the scenes, the people who really uh, sweated and uh, tears, blood, everything uh, in this project. And there's another story on that day that I saw this man digging, I continued and uh, I saw like we were building a house for uh, our volunteers. This is the first building that uh, we started with because we would store all the material for uh, the school. Plus, the workers uh, were sleeping in this place. So, uh, right on the main entrance of this house, I saw one uh, worker who was uh, crafting a letter on, uh, on you know, the center of uh, the entrance. And this letter was the letter Y. And uh, my brother's name was Yanis, and he would write his name with uh, Y, A, and N, I, S. And the moment I look at this guy crafting the letter Y, I shout at him like, what are you doing there? And he just looked at me like he was scared. He's like, uh, well, if you don't like it, we can cover it up. I just wanted to make something to please you guys. Uh, like, you know, some little decor. I'm like, no, please just uh, paint it blue and uh, leave it there. And that moment I felt like, okay, my brother is here watching us and that's like the main building the main structure it has his initial and kind of miracles happened as I told you then uh, another story was that 2019 it was July and I go to Zanzibar with uh, Loai uh, a friend of ours and uh, uh, I wanted to complete the project by the end of 2019 but we were like uh, $60,000 away from the target and if I didn't manage to raise this money, uh, then we would have to wait for another year to get the approval to open the school. So the objective was to open the school in 2020 in January. If we did not have the classrooms ready, the fence, the, some other stuff that the ministry wants, you have to wait for another year to apply for the license. So Loai tells me, uh, man, I can help you. I can give you some money and by the way, uh, this money is coming from a friend of ours called uh, Omar Kettner. 
uh, we made some business together and now I'm about to receive some money on his behalf but uh, unfortunately this person passed away so he donated a generous amount and I, I promised him that day that uh, you know the first classroom I will name it after his uh, yeah and then we opened the school in 2020 in January on my birthday and that was like a perfect alignment it wasn't even you know like uh, intended right and um, I never forgot that I had to name the classroom uh, Omar Kettner and then I sent a photo to Loai uh, of myself and uh, my partner Cosiano and in the middle you know the name and the children and so on and uh, what Loai did was he sent this photo to the family of uh, Omar and he was told that that day was exactly one year after he passed away which was you know actually a very random uh, coincidence like one in, out of 365 days to happen that's deep <laughs> that's really deep then was um, for everyone who wishes to help to volunteer to participate in this uh, I know that there's groups always coming through all of the year and uh, there is also links where people can be doing a simple donation online tell us more about it like for the audience listening to this podcast how can someone help whether physically financially or any sort so the first thing I would like to invite people to do is to come on the ground in Zanzibar and witness this miracle in person because uh, this is the source of happiness and they can see what we're trying to do, talk about the program, introduce them to the teachers, to the community, to Cosiano, to the chief. That's when you get the real sense, like you did actually. Like before it was all theory, but the moment you came there, it was a different story, right? You know, you just felt it. And now you're more ready to contribute and you're part of this. Whether you want it or not, I know you're part of this and you will continue being. Uh, for those who cannot uh, travel, uh, obviously they can follow us on social media, we have some channels uh, that we can share here and uh, what they can do is they can spread the word, uh, they can share, they can follow, they can like, you know, all these things that we want the community to grow and we want people who are like-minded to just support us and just give us this extra boost. For those who can afford uh, making a small contribution, even one dollar can make a difference. Like uh, they can buy a meal for the students with one dollar. And um, we have a, a campaign running on Global Giving, which is a, a platform that is very respectable. Uh, we've done all the due diligence. To enter this platform, you have to submit your audits, you know, your business plans and so on and so forth. So um, the link will be provided and we invite people to make any contribution because we have plans for phase three now actually to build a fence around uh, a proper fence around the school uh, whether it's brick wall or wire we want to create a sports area for the students and also we want to make some sort of summer camp for uh, students that they come from abroad to stay in this project and uh, volunteer so if anyone wants to come to Zanzibar, we have a beautiful house of volunteers and they can have their own uh, bedroom with entry bathroom, but don't expect like hot water and stuff. And there will be some uh, power cuts and so on. And maybe some ants in the sugar in the morning and you have to buy a new one. But I think that this is exactly what most volunteers love, especially when they come from Dubai. 
and there are many. I mean, uh, now we have a full house of volunteers as we speak. And uh, I try to kind of apologize in advance, like uh, to don't raise the bar, just expect uh, nothing. And uh, they love this raw uh, life. They are reminded how uh, lucky they are to be in a place like this one and uh, to have everything working constantly and take it for granted, like internet, uh, electricity, water, all these things that we think that they should work always. Then, you know, when you go there, you just start appreciating the minimum uh, things. And that's something that is part of uh, the transformation journey that everyone should uh, go through. Yeah. Brenos, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for coming. Thanks a lot for sharing everything. You heard that we're going to share all of the credentials, the Instagram page, the Facebook, and feel free to reshare these pages. Feel free to donate. Feel free to do a change in this world. Renos, God bless you. God keep you powerful for this beautiful cause. Thank you so much for watching this episode and see you in the next one.